Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where life is content, content is life, and uh, <laughs> friendship particularly is content. That's true. This podcast wouldn't exist without friendship. Whoa. I'm also glad that this was the third time that we've tried to do this intro and you finally got there. So like, Proud of you. It, listen, we're really just revealing things behind the curtain. The edit can't mask this. This is how the sausage is made, baby. Nailed it. We are Uh-oh. professional podcasters. That's why I'm going to open up this bag of chips right now. That's why I opened my soda before we started. (laughs) That's why I'm going to invite my good friend, the train in Long Island, to come onto the podcast when halfway through. God, Amber, it demonstrates industry. Julia, if Rose Gold had to write in a listicle about the Long Island Railroad, what would she write? It would just be rating the various branches of the Long Island Railroad. Yeah, sure. And all of the ones that are grade level pieces of shit. Just terrible. <laughs> so much noise, so much honking. <laughs> oh, this is very there's, good. There's just a vibes section. Like, it's unrelated to it is like, what vibes does it give off? <laughs> is it good? What, when do you need to interact with the vibes? Long Morning, Beach, evening. too much party vibe. <laughs> now, I, now I am thinking about the branches of the Long Island Railroad as uh, star signs. That's good. I like that. <laughs> there's nearly enough. What's the most chaotic one? What's the most chaotic one? I'm surprised that there's not like a Long Island specific content mine, content farm. It's Patch. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have found a lot of like Long Island specific Instagrams recently where it's sure. like jokes about Melville. I'm like, why though? <laughs> <laughs> For the, I guess, two million uh, people who live there? Yeah, I guess. I will say I do follow an Instagram called Hudson Valley Memes. Yeah, see. <laughs> so, like, we're Valley even talking memes. about an even smaller place where it's like, yo, let's fucking bag on Poughkeepsie. And, like, six people think it's hilarious, and I'm one of them. That's exactly what this is. I'm pretty sure it's, like, Nassau memes or Suffolk memes. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Well, we love content creation, which is why we've brought it into our content creation lives. <laughs> exactly. And we have a few questions finishing up, uh, join the loop, but I'm going to save those for after our refill where we can talk about the game, the character, kind of bigger vibes, questions about the story. But first, like, we got to get into the content. It is breaking news. It's fresh, fresh content. If you put it in the fridge for even 10 minutes, it'll wilt. Let's talk about <laughs> join the paper. Anybody else just like thrilled and reinvigorated and, and you know, serotonin boost from just doing this episode? Because I loved it. Absolutely. I really like doing one shots in particular because I feel like I get to be the most chaotic entity possible. Mm -hmm. It's very funny to me because I look at Val and then I look at Rose and I look at Moxie and I'm like, Moxie and Rose are just not good people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I try to play like as likable a terrible person as possible whenever we do a one shot. There's a very funny push and pull with a one shot because it allows the players to be as chaotic as possible. And there's no like canon surrounding it necessarily. You're like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Like it's not necessarily part of a campaign, even if you string a bunch of one shots together. But it is definitely the most on rails thing that you do as a DM. So it's very much like, well, I'm going to drive you from point A to point B. But like you can play whatever music you want in the car. You can eat whatever snacks. You can do what, all that stuff. So I think there is like a very much a this is the most rote thing you're going to do or at least the most guided thing you're going to do but it's going to happen in the most wild way possible hot cheetos and ice cream hot cheetos and ice cream and i'm like that's fine i only have you for 30 minutes random (laughs) childs eat whatever you want 
Not my kid. I feel like it's doing a road trip with a bunch of just like eight-year-olds in the back of a minivan. And you're just driving the car. You have no control over what happens in the back of that minivan. You can Mm -hmm. only determine the destination of the minivan. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You two particularly, but I think all three of us have like, I don't clicked into some character creation wellspring that's just fucking brilliant like (laughs) i just love the characters that we make they're just so fun and ridiculous i love them so much yeah if i could make a new character every week i would let's go back in time to the origin of this idea now eric the way you presented it to us was like hey i want to try something a little different for entanglements but where'd this idea come from what was the what was the idea and like how did you kind of face the prospect of zooming away and doing a bottle episode outside the main campaign 33 episodes in sure well first brandon can you say join the paper origins for me yeah join the paper origins that's when todd becomes the joker (laughs) (laughs) he's just so twisted bro that's weird because todd isn't the joker so the fact that he becomes the joker in origins (laughs) is uh Interesting. <laughs> Todd was the Joker, and now he is a, a manager. <laughs> That's like that Harley Quinn animated series storyline where the Joker like loses his memories and then just becomes a normal dude. Yeah. That's just Todd. Todd becomes the Joker after this, actually. After he gets laid off, he becomes the Joker again. Yeah, so I guess this was after the big run of one shots that i had been planning for which is the now the we're on the other end of it which was the one with Brendan Lee Mulligan the one with three black halflings and just all i was felt like i was running a ton of one shots that i was prepping for like in a row and our live show, our live as, show. and our live show as well and i was like oh i kind of it, this has been something that has been really scaring me for a while because of what i i said is that players are incredibly chaotic but i'm still letting go of the fact that one it doesn't matter and two i can just wave my hands eventually and end the one shot at some point (laughs) i'm like oh i'm like and we're done like and you guys are like great we had so much fun and i'm like (laughs) and todd's on top of a skyscraper with his shirt half off and there's like wild animals around oh we're done okay and i'm like oh good we're fine great we're done Um, so I was really coming to the other side of that. And I was thinking a lot about the interview that I had done with Sentinels on the Multiverse, those guys who have the board game, the card, the cooperative card game where, um, the superheroes are representative of an entire like universe of superhero comics, right? Which we've talked about a lot. It's really interesting seeing how superheroes go from, you know, the golden age through the silver age. They got super extreme. Then the 90s made them super grungy. And now we're kind of like dealing with like the way that the world is right now and dealing what it means to be a superhero, etc. So I always thought that was really interesting. And I, I really loved that trope of then doing a issue of a comic that didn't really have anything to do with the superheroes Mm -hmm. it was just set in the world of the superheroes with regular people julia i'm sure you can give like actual examples but i have a a thing here from the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay i have a quote by michael shaban my favorite author one of my favorite books that i had stuck in my head here at this point in the story they, they invented a superhero called the escapist who was like a harry houdini superhero and then this is after like the escapist has gotten very very popular uh and then they start to do different types of stories. 
There are the stories that dealt with the minutia of what Mr. Machine Gun, at home in the pages of Triumph, like to call the hero biz, told not only from the point of view of the heroes, but from those of the various butlers, girlfriends, assistants, shoeshine boys, doctors, and even the criminals. There was a story that followed the course of a handgun through the mean streets of Empire City, in which the escapist appeared in only two pages... Um, and then we skip forward. And then there was Kane Street focusing for 64 pages on one little street in Empire City as its denizens, hearing the terrible news that the escapist lies near death in the hospital, recall in turn the way he has touched their lives and the lives of everyone in town, only to have it turn out. In the end, it was a cruel hoax perpetrated by the evil crooked man. So being able to do that in our superhero Dungeons and Dragons podcast, I'm like, oh, well, this is still comics. We're doing comics and like we're not doing movies, which is what I think a lot of other actual plays do where you, you know, there's the, the classic quote from Taz and we pan up. see the. <laughs> I have that auto coffee bug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like in yeah. you remember that, like they're trying to create a movie or a TV, but something that I remembered from masks and I've been trying to do in our campaign is that we're doing a comic book. Um, and I wanted to do that kind of fiction building and I wanted to do something in New York City because I'm like, oh, it would be so wild for us to figure out what the hell is going on in Average Bear. Because I've been thinking about that a lot, especially as reintegrating Tegan into the story of this campaign, especially during Join the Loop and making Gutenberg's reach seem bigger. Because for now, you y'all have been in, uh, interacting with him on a very like P to P basis, like person to person. He's like, oh, he's gonna come and fuck my shit up, like me as a person, but not like the entire world or like even an entire city or a, how much consequences he has and how much reach he has. So like, I was thinking about a lot of the stuff and I was jangling all in my head and I was like, hey, do y'all want to play a game as average bear employees? <laughs> to which we all answered, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. I have a very important question for you. Mm-hmm. Was Cam fired? Uh, no, Cam was not laid off. Okay, good. For those of you who've <laughs> listened to uh, Next Stop, uh, Cam is still at like the introductory writers, <laughs> writers uh, level because he just went from being a fact checker to he's a writer. So cheap. But now he had that viral story go, so he's like, "Oh, we can still run this guy ragged at like fifty-two thousand dollars a year." Love it. This is Next Stop. Go listen to Next Stop. Yeah, go, go listen, listen to Next, Next Stop. Stop. But and uh, the question surgeon Michelle Spurgeon also wants to check in on how our friends at Next Stop are doing during the, <laughs> the average bear resizing. So don't worry, Michelle. They're good. But yeah, I, I thought about this a lot, and I'm really excited that we get to do this. This was one of the most fun things I think we've done in the entire show. And I also want to say I was a little inspired by Dimension 20, as always, seeing what mice and murder, what you can do with the D&D system that doesn't necessarily have to do with violence, but can be a uh, an action story in a different way was uh, how I was pushing on it. Because this wasn't necessarily like offices and bosses be like, oh, these are dragons playing humans. Like it, we're using the D&D system to do something action packed that's more of like an office thriller. Um, yeah. Where the worst thing that can happen is getting laid off by a VC company. I sort of backtracking. I love the idea of an escapist. I might, I might do that in a future campaign. That's such a great little power set. Yeah. Also, you should be Cavalier and Clay. It's really, really good. It's very good. It's very much like, yeah. Oh no, I could. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> that'll be too long. But no, the escapist is is an incredible, uh, is an incredible superhero. 
I'm also realizing, Eric, how much you love uh, media that uh, takes place in its own media universe. I do. I, I really do. I say that my favorite genre of stories are superhero stories that are not Marvel and DC. <laughs> um, so like The Boys, Cavalier and Clay, uh, The Regional Office is Under Attack, Sentinels of the Multiverse. That's like my favorite genre is playing with the comic tropes, but being able to, to exist outside of them and subvert them and mess with them, including uh, campaign to join the party. Ooh, ah. And now it's time for a previous bad media jobs corner. Brandon, mm-hmm. Julia, how did you approach making a character for this campaign? Eric basically just said, like, think of a person working at Average Bear and, and tell me about it. So we really had free reign here. Where did you all start your planning? So I approached it as what would be like the most interesting skill set that I could play as a character who works in like an office setting and specifically like Average Bear as a, you know, a, a news reporting kind of website. And originally, I I was just scrolling back before because I wanted to see what my original pitch to Eric was. And I originally (laughs) was like, I want to do College of Lore. Cutting words is too good to pass up. (laughs) And then we were chatting a little bit about what kind of character would use something like cutting words, which is so iconic to that class. And I was like, I was thinking like maybe editorial, but what about HR? And Eric goes, ha, oh my God, that is fucking dark. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I really want to lean hard on this idea of like HR is not your friend. They are there to protect the company from legal liability. And that is it. Yeah. But I also knew that neither of you were going for kind of like straight up reporter. And then I was like, okay, I have had experience doing editorial work at a small publication before. I can probably get away with like reporter or content creator or something like that. Yeah. And I'm glad you did because your role playing as Rose was incredible. Brandon, how about you? Um, having been a middle manager once, um, I can confidently say (laughs) that middle managers are the least important employee in any company. And it is my firm belief that they should not exist. (laughs) Incredible. So I like the idea of playing someone who's like completely irrelevant and figuring out how they make themselves integral to the story is just fun. Also being a cis white straight man. It wasn't really that hard to like tap into it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) The wild thing was that no one knew what Todd was saying. And I would love to note you, audio professional, head of production at Multitude and editor of this (laughs) of this later. Why you do this? Why you do this to yourself? Honestly, I didn't think about it until the moment of and I panicked and I had just listened to a episode of I can't remember if it was main feed, Hey Riddle Riddle, or Clue Crew, their like Patreon feed, but uh, JPC from the podcast Hey Riddle Riddle did a a voice of I forget the sketch now, but he did like yeah some kind of like boss or some kind of like you know non essential white guy, and he just did the best voice possible. And it was that like monotone sort of like yeah weird funny yeah. thing, and I stole it completely. <laughs> and his is, his is much Perfect. better. <laughs> Brandon and I have been bonding over Hey Riddle Riddle, and I appreciate it. Perfect. It was, it was an inspired choice. Amanda, tell me about your class. 
and picking June. Yeah, I was also, I mean, for once, thinking very tactically about what could be useful in this in this uh, one shot for us. And I was like, I, there's definitely going to be a time where one of us has to like look at someone's desk and sort of take from their notes any possible clues. And having, again, watched Mice and Murder with Eric, I really loved um, what Sam Reich was doing with the Mastermind Rogue. And I think just being able to like assess paper Detrius is like, A, a very assistant type thing where your boss is like, oh, the note, it's over there on the place. And then you have to be like, <laughs> okay, well, under your third cup of coffee of the day, because you have that at 1030, you know, is where the, no- the note that you doodled on your paper after this conference call. So that uh, that is both more kind of like character work and also thing that I thought might be relevant. And getting to play a rogue again with actually relevant subclasses. I know. I didn't get to use sneak attack damage, but guys, I studied up on it. I was ready. <laughs> uh, Amanda, hey, do you have any connection to the way that June acts secretly runs everything from an operations <laughs> perspective? Oh, yeah. What was that like? Uh, yeah, no, my, uh, but, but before starting Multitude, I worked at a startup as like the, the first employee doing everything from, you know, getting a business license to uh, an office, to business insurance, to hiring people. And the experience of needing to anticipate your boss's needs and when your job is, when you're doing your job well, being both invisible and also like constantly at hand and like the the person ultimately on whom anything inconvenient or bad falls uh is tough and uh, someone else asked in the uh in the discord how close this is to my particular corporate experience um june says things that i wish i could say june is you know has the energy that i wish i could have brought whereas in reality i'm like yeah no problem um i'll figure out how to stop the person downstairs from drumming in his drum business um (laughs) that's right and uh that was uh that was very cathartic for me to be able to channel a little bit of um you know uh girl bossism but in a way that doesn't harm others that one's easy you just go and you take a couple nuts out of the drum kit and then when you when they go to play it and they hit one strike it just falls apart (laughs) and then they definitely don't know how to put back together the drum set (laughs) I wish I knew that. I Professional knew that. drummer <laughs> does not know how to put it together. Yeah, Rose was definitely inspired by said content job, a less nice version of my boss at that job. Yeah. I want to give a special shout out to Sally Tamarkin, who I DM on Discord all the time when we talk about D&D stuff. Sally used to work at BuzzFeed and Self and all of those places. So I asked for their help putting this together, uh, which is where like the um, Jonesy mocktail came in. Like there's always some because it was Average Bear, which is the BuzzFeed equivalent, is that BuzzFeed is such a name. Other reporters want to report on your shit. <laughs> like they want to do journalismism. And uh, that was like a big thing. And really making sure to slot all these things in correctly that feels true to the whole thing but also like gave you a little bit more peril and made you feel a little bit more suffocated by all the things that were going on around you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will say yeah Julia that would have been way too dark for you to do HR yeah and I realized it wouldn't have worked <laughs> with the plot that you were planning either because the HR person would have known that all these people were getting fired exactly so that was that's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I also like I like that Todd represented the management in that way, but I, you you two could have worked together because Ch- 
Todd, and I loved so much about what was Todd's job? It was manager, manager of cross platform, cross platform, yeah. uh, in every meeting, responsible for none of them. Which was an Amanda poll, and it was yeah. brilliant. <laughs> it was so brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like we should mention we did a session zero with these characters just to get a feel for them. Oh, that's right, we yeah. did do that. I totally forgot about that. God, I wish that was recorded too. It was we so did? fun. It yeah. Was. What am I forgetting? I so- yeah. Remember we had a we had a little like round robin getting to know you exercise. Eric, you want to describe where you got those mechanics from? It was oh, like, how yeah. does this character know this person? And Eric was giving us prompts being like, you saw this person at this place and you don't know why they were there or something like that. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I created like a, a D10 table uh, of prompts for people to ask each other about the relationships between all the PCs. I was using like fiasco rules, the way that you, you need to like set up relationships between characters before like the Coen Brothers movie starts. And uh, that was just really fun. I just wanted to make sure because you all work together. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that you had some sort of relationships there. I have my notes on that if you if you want to hear them. Yeah, no, please. Oh, yeah. I have the questions table. I can share I can share them with you. Please. Yeah. Um okay. Uh so you would roll a d10 and then whoever like whose ever turn it was, you either would like you we all went in a circle and then it was like, "Rose, say this about your relationship with June and then June to Todd and then uh, and then back around. So here's the whole table. We worked together before at blank. We're both part of the internet community blank. I've seen you in my neighborhood at the blank. I've tried to help you do blank. I know that you're secretly doing blank at work. Oh, my friend's friend said that they saw you blank. Uh, I told you how to get blank. We've run into each other at the blank. I need you because you're the only one in the office who can do blank, and everyone in the office knows you as the blank. Incredible. Yeah, we did two rounds of this, right? Yeah, you you all did um, for I, everybody initiated to everybody else. Yes. So we we did like we did two rounds of that. Yeah. Do you want to hear the the answers that I have written down for this stuff? Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna go down in, in no particular order, but Rose gave Todd dating advice. Mm-hmm. Which we found oh, out Todd right. has a wife and six children. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Todd tried to give June advice when she started, but it was all bullshit. And now we have a passive aggressive competition for attention from the CEO. Mm -hmm. Uh, June came to Todd to create a paper employee to catch someone who is embezzling. So June owes me a favor. Nice. (laughs) Yes. Apparently Todd lives in Murray Hill. Yes. 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 (laughs) Because that's where you saw Rose at that bar. At Brother Jimmy's after my kickball game. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right, right. Uh, Apparently June is known as the dealer because- That was her quote is, okay, that was your one, which is the best thing you've ever said. Yeah, I, I am so sad I didn't get a chance to put this in the campaign, but I was like, I feel like June's catchphrase is like someone someone does something and she's, she takes a beat and stares at them and says, okay, that was your one, your one fuck up. You used it. <laughs> and then finally, yeah, Rose, we, which we did get to, Rose and Tegan Murphy have hooked up in the past. Oh, God, that Tell was us so everything. funny. <laughs> Do you want the Cannon, details Julia? that I worked out in my head? Yes, please. We and the audience do. So, like I said before, Rose is not a particularly good person. So I think Rose is like a power dater. As in, (laughs) Rose will find the person who has the most influence and the most power and like ingratiate herself to that person. So in this case, it was Tegan, star reporter. And uh, they started dating. I don't imagine that it lasted more than six months. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. 
And I feel like it was at least over a year ago, but Rose, you know, still wants all of that, like, she wants someone to be emotionally, like, attached to her. So I feel like that's why there's, like, the wall of text of just Rose keeps texting Tegan and Tegan doesn't reply. So funny. It, that was so funny that the, la- the last thing, like, before that coda right at the end when Tegan texts multi-tool was you saying, you reaching out to Tegan and Tegan saying, Rose, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> so funny. It was very good. I just wanted to set it up that, like, maybe we'll see Rose in Lake Town City. Who can say? <laughs> Maybe. I would have assumed that Tegan had better taste, but I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse you? (laughs) No, I agree with Brandon. (laughs) Bray wanted to know if um, June and or Rose were in an MLM, and if so, what do they sell? Uh, June, I think, is way too smart for an MLM. Yeah. And and too ethical to, to, like, have downlines. Also, like, most MLMs are just not stylish enough to really get involved with them. Like, those tights that everyone was wearing for, like, a hot minute, they were all so ugly. I love that Rose probably thinks that they're not an MLM, but, like, buys things that, like, Caroline Calloway hawks instead. Probably. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we respect an influencer. Yeah, like, she definitely buys, like, goop stuff. And it's just like, no, this JDAG does help my Kegels. Um, excuse what do you, you she gets them for free because she's reviewing them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. that's right. I I owned Moon Juice for a hot second because I got it sent to me to review it once. What God, is Moon, moon juice? juice? is the wildest shit. It's just, oh, or Brandon. Or, like, the moon powder or whatever the fuck. Like, Ugh. Well, wellness uh, scams. Yeah, yeah. Wellness Brandon, scams. you would love this one. You should listen to the episode about Moon Juice uh, on maintenance phase. Um, the creator of Moon Juice is wild. She's like, she's something else. Brandon, you you know that I worked for a spa and wellness media company, right? I don't know if I did know that before Spirits. It was like pre wellness as a as a trend, even. Yeah. Oh wow. All right. Guys, don't buy moon juice. Uh, we're going to give Brandon some space to research this thing, and I'm going to go into the kitchen to get regular tap water because that's fine. <laughs> I'll Can be I right get back. it filtered? I'll be right back. Can you put moon juice in mine? Damn it. <laughs> no. Damn. no. <laughs> hey, it's Amanda. My elementary school growing up did not have air conditioning, which at the time... Even as a child, I was like, this seems wrong. Uh, And looking back, even more (laughs) surprising. But I remember when it was really hot outside, we would come into class and leave the lights off. I don't think it was that cost effective or making it cooler in there because they were LED lights. But, you know, who, who can say? But that feeling of leaving the lights off to make it feel just a little bit cooler, even if it isn't actually, is something that I find very nostalgic and very indicative of summer. So welcome to the mid-roll. It's a little cooler if you close your eyes. Firstly, welcome to everyone who joined our Patreon in the last week. Lee, Jake, Daniel, Jenna, and Slurine, thank you very much. It is such a wild uh, gift and joy that our full-time jobs involve playing Dungeons and Dragons during the the 9 to 5 workday, and we can only do that because of your support on Patreon. So many of you make room in your budgets every month to support indie creators, us included, and we're incredibly grateful. If you out there are able to support during the party for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all kinds of excellent bonus content and of course, you get to join the best place on the internet, namesake of Jonesy Mocktail. That's our patron-only Discord, and, and Jonesy the cat is very beautiful. You can do all that for as little, again, as five bucks a month at patreon.com slash join the party pod. 
It is also a great day to check out some more shows from Multitude. That's a way to support us and our work that doesn't involve any money. And this week, I think you'd really enjoy Horse. This is a podcast about the ridiculous stories, internet drama, and some of the biggest and baddest personalities out there today, all from the world of basketball. Hosts Adam Mamawala and Mike Schubert want the world to know how unbelievable the history and culture of basketball is. They're here to fight gatekeeping and prove that it's entertaining for everyone to follow, from superfans to people who have never cared about sports before, like myself. Whether it's a shop-by-shop breakdown of Get Your Head in the Game from High School Musical, which is excellent, or a thorough discussion of the best and worst food at NBA arenas, the Horse hosts have got you covered. New episodes come out every other Monday, so just search Horse in your podcast app or check out horsehoops.com. We are sponsored this week by Inked Gaming. Inked is a company that is built both by and for gamers, and it's been at the top of the game in supplying customers with world-class products since they first launched back in 2011. From play mats to dice bags and sleeves to dice themselves, they are your one-stop shop for quality gaming gear. They believe that every gamer is an individual, and it's their mission to help you customize the way you play, all in an easy and affordable and quality way. All artists and creators featured on Inked Gaming receive a commission from products sold with their work, which is rad and ethical, and I think every site should be doing. And as part of their sponsorship of this episode, Team Inked has given us a special 10% off discount that we are passing along to you. Just head over to their site at inkedgaming.com slash join the party, pick out some items, and when you're ready to check out, use the code join the party to receive 10% off your order. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Even if you're not feeling down and depressed or like you're at a total loss, life is full of stressors. And if your stress is high or you feel like your temper is short or your patience is short, you could probably use the chance to unload. You can unload that stress, get it all out, talk to someone who is unbiased about your life, who won't judge you or take sides and just help you out. So when there's things you feel like you can't tell anybody or like you feel like you can't unload to family and friends and you need to unload, that is what therapy can be. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, so you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors, get some unbiased feedback, and you'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain from it. See if it is for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Join the Party listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Join the Party. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Join the Party. And now, back to the after party. All right, I'm back with uh, with wonderful New York City tap water uh, cooled to your liking. Guys, we I have a beautiful opportunity for all of you to embark upon. No, Brandon, <laughs> I am not going to invest and work from home and be my own boss. <laughs> I already do boss moms. We already be oh, our no. own boss. Is podcast an MLM? <laughs> Podcasting uh, is an MLM. Oh no, we're this is gonna. I need to say this very, very quickly before we spiral off into Julia's wild ass old jobs, and we'll get to that. Podcasting is also kind of at the crux of of media stuff. Like the stuff that we do in podcasting feels very resonant to all the stuff that we do here. Podcasting is like very much like part media, part tech, part entertainment. So like a lot of the stuff that we were doing in Join the Paper felt really real to me. That yeah, was it. that's all I want to say. I agree. 
One thing that I do want to say about Joy the Paper, my favorite part was we did this session zero where we introduced our characters to each other. And then Eric asked us how we spelled our characters' names and our classes, like just in Slack. And Eric didn't realize that Rosemary Gold was a pun on Rose Gold. Nor did I. (laughs) It was incredibly fun. Man, you punned me and you're a bard. Get out of my fucking face, Julia Shafini. You love me. (laughs) Guys, I'm selling sex dust. Would you like to partake in sex dust? No, I want the moon dust. That's it. Beauty dust, no. Sex dust, no. Moon dust, yes. The number one ingredient in this is organic cocoa powder, which I think is funny. Sure is. Brandon, I'm glad you're looking this up because this is a major inspiration for the one-up mushrooms. So this is very <laughs> funny that you're looking at this now. Marlena would like to know, Eric, how do you feel about bards now besides afraid? <laughs> um, so I, after talking it over with the three black halflings, uh, I now extra think that it's only for creative people who want everyone to know how creative they are. However, this worked incredibly well for this session. Like... I don't know. I still think that creativity is my magic is very wild in a fantasy and superhero setting. But I think that this worked very perfectly here. I also want to say that, like, we were doing D&D, but, like, these folks aren't powered. Like, they just they're just like regular people who, you know, were playing a game. So they have to have skills and stuff. So, like, they're not super powered in any way. So that's why I kind of liked how Julia was playing it, because Bard demonstrates like a force of will through speech, which I thought worked well for for a quote-unquote regular person. Yeah, and we very specifically, when I was picking out my spells for this episode, we talked about how I wasn't going to choose anything that I couldn't like validate by yeah. a normal person being able to do it. So like, I was like, maybe sleep, and you're like, I don't think sleep. I was like, but what if I just like tell a really boring story and the person falls asleep? And you're like, eh, maybe. Like Jigglypuff. <laughs> <laughs> like Jigglypuff. I sing a very cute song and then I draw mustaches on their faces. <laughs> yeah, regular person Jigglypuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That's a regular person. Bray would like to know, is Todd a good father? Todd's a f- fucking fantastic father. Todd okay, is... Wait, uh... wait. I-, I need to follow up with this. Brandon, you know who Todd reminded me of in that? Who? Do you remember our old boss who treated us like we were all in the office, but really it was just a way to infantilize us and like because we were all millennials Uh-oh. when we were working at the old at the place where we worked at together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll cut can, that. can we do our can we do my favorite podcast trope where you bleep where you bleep out his name? Yeah, I'll do that. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, good luck finding at the job that no one knows that we were at, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Except your public LinkedIn's, but yes. Some people remember six years ago. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, he totally like treated us like he was like he was only a few years older than us and treated us like we were his kids. And like, I bet he was a really good dad, but it was he was a terrible fucking manager who was manipulating us to like not give him problems while he accelerated up the corporate ladder. 100%. Yeah. He did not give a shit about like his employees or his position. He just was trying to put his dues in in this particular role so he could move up yeah yeah but and he pretended to be michael scott so while he was doing that it was like nefarious so that's how i felt about todd as well is like todd was just like don't fucking talk to me but then he goes home and then he hugs all six of its kids give me the names of those kids brandon give me those names okay um, in descending birth order quickly as possible well todd jr was first obviously and then there yep. is um i'm gonna say elizabeth and then uh, Junior. 
Those are three children. That's three. You said six. That's all Todd's aware of. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know. Good God. Good God. Chad, Mary... Susan, there we go. Three more children. And then, well, they're the last three of the triplets, so you got to just course. like group them all as the triplets. That's our second yeah. set of triplets in this universe. Yeah, twins and triplets are hilarious. Vinny, Vidi, Vici, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, the, that that can be Vinny, Vidi, and Vici. <laughs> this after party is nonsense. It is. <laughs> it's a good one. Violet would like to know how would Rose, June, and Todd feel about meeting Aggie, Val, and Milo? Would they stand? I think uh, Aggie would be incredibly intimidated by June and Rose both and just kind of like nod at Todd as fellow, uh, you know, members of a bureaucracy. <laughs> Are you asking what Rose would think about her ex-partner's new partner? Excuse you. You think that would go well? <laughs> Cutting words, baby. I think I think that June would compliment Val's jacket and whole look. Hell yeah. I think Rose would actually like Milo. Oh, they would hang. I think Rose would think Milo's whole deal is very ironic and in the best possible way, even though none of it is ironic to Milo. Honestly, if they're the same age, which I'm not sure how old Rose is, they might date for a hot second. And then everyone around them is like, this is a terrible choice you're both making. What is happening? Oh, 100% dating for like three months and they have nothing in common. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then like anytime somebody brings around a new friend or partner, they're like, you know those guys used to date? And you're like, no. (laughs) He's like, what? He works at a museum. It's very hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a science museum. You can touch this. They have to have like galas or something at some point. <laughs> I like great in a gown. Here's my Insta. I think Todd is one of those people that if he were to meet superpowered folks and like, you know, Milo would like make something outrageous, right? And then Todd would just be like, oh, that is a very neat skill you have. And then everyone's like, Todd, these are superheroes. What are you doing? <laughs> Todd wouldn't like understand that that is what was happening, I feel like. Yeah. True. Yeah. And I integrated TikTok. So <laughs> we all do th- impossible things. Incredible. Marika on Insta asks, what could we have done to keep Tegan from losing their job? Or were they doomed from the start? I think they were doomed from the start, right? Me too. Oh, great question. Like I was saying, like we have seen media and this stuff happen a lot around us. And like honestly, the best part about working in multitude is no one can lay me off. Like we can fail, but except like, no for one's yourself, fire me. Yeah, I- I'm laying myself <laughs> off because like the world is bad. Um, so I was thinking, I was like, man, the worst possible thing would be layoffs because they seem so uncontrollable, and it's just like an inevitability. It's like you know, at the end of the game, the the planet blows up. You know, what I mean? you know yeah. what I mean. And uh, there was a way to work around this. Damn it! I had some ideas about how you could have stopped it, but I think that if you had figured it out before the day of, and then got to either June's boss or to Carlisle, Carlisle, which then got you to June's boss, then you would have been able to get yourselves and or Tegan off of the layoff list. Mm. Like the layoff was mandatory, but you could have saved yourself. Like if I had rolled higher than that 21 when you rolled a 22 and I had gotten up to the office, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck, all right. Yeah, you got, You were super, super close. You were circling what was happening, but you didn't put together what exactly was going to happen the next day, and then you waited the next day. I think the thing that ultimately sunk you was June setting up 
and being like, oh, I'm going to catch him before he comes in the office. But then I forget the, the fucking Scottsdale knew that you were on his tail and he just and he was just ducking you as hard as possible. On his Scott's tail. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, there was 100% a way to save yourselves, but y- you you were not uh, not the day of. Bummer, but I think it was for the best. It's weird that Todd's power of being a cis straight white man wasn't enough to save him, but... Here we are. You did you did insult the the two guys pretty hard. Here's the interesting thing. Todd was not on the list. Todd was put on the list after ignoring the <laughs> after ignoring the transfer. Yeah. 100%. Oh, 100%. That's great. If Todd had taken the transfer, he would have just been transferred to Mumbai and he would have made a ton more money and whatever, but that was the that was the thing is that you uh, Todd decided to not do it and then he was put on the list. If anyone if any fan artists are out there, if you could draw Todd in the Mumbai office, whatever that means to you, that would be delightful. <laughs> it's funny cuz it looks exactly the same as the New York office. <laughs> yeah, it's the same, but their lunches are better. 100%. It's just a blank it's just a beige wall. There's just a sign out the window that says Mumbai. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Whistle GK says, did Average Bear release the Pixel Bears? Was it a clever marketing scheme? No. <laughs> I wish. Brilliant. I love that. It's all Who connected. Who can say? And Paula would love to hear more about the way Initiative worked and joined the paper. They write, I love how Eric's always doing creative stuff with Initiative because I sometimes get bored when listening to Initiative scenes in other actual play podcasts, so it keeps it fun and fresh. Same. Paula, I feel this way about my own podcast, so <laughs> I'm, fucking, I'm fucking on top of you there. But uh, yes, I really want to keep Initiative uh, fun and flirty. Uh, the way that I did Initiative here was the way that like D&D tells you to do traps. So the way that you run a trap is like you're not fighting a person but you're fighting like the trap activating on a certain part of the initiative order. So um, like, oh, the spikes come up at initiative count 10 and zero, like after everybody goes. So that's how I ran this. First of all, did not know June was going to get in the fucking mix. <laughs> Sorry, I just said that as a power move, but sometimes power, power moves move? get you actual power. So. Exactly. <laughs> sometimes a power move is actual power. Yeah. So the way that the Q&A was going to work was that you could go whenever you you had to roll initiative. There was a Q&A question at t- count 20, 15, and 10. Then there was a roll for uh, whether or not the question was planted or was actually going to be allowed by someone like randomly in the audience. So whether or not the uh, the VC guy was going to like make the question like super a super softball to him or he was actually going to try to get his way out of it. But then I had to do charisma rolls for whether or not June got in the mix and June would do that as well. Mm. Um, if June could like overpower it and call on whoever uh, whoever she wanted, which was super, super fun. And then I, I only did like one round because there was only one round of Q&A, but that was really fun. Yeah, I knew what my move was going to be as soon as we talked about the Q&A and the fact that we were going to roll initiative and then I rolled so low and then Brandon also rolled so low and then did the thing that I was planning on doing anyway, which is roll zone of truth. I read your notes and I stole your ideas. I'm sorry, Julia. Yeah, I I secretly messaged Brandon being like zone of truth time. That's not true. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's super funny that Amanda went first before the Q&A and Brandon and Julia both went after the Q- after the questions. Incredible. So, Truly incredible. My, my initiative is Amanda, 20, 15, 10, Brandon, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Incredible. Well, that was a, a hell of a time. I enjoyed it so, so much. Any final thoughts on Join the Paper before we move into uh, broader campaign game character and DMing questions? Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to talk about all of our bad jobs. I didn't want to. I want Julia to talk about oh, her yeah. job. 
So like I mentioned, I used to work for a spa and wellness company as a, a content creator. It was like my first job right out of college. And legally, I can't say that it was a money laundering firm. <laughs> you absolutely cannot say that. I cannot say that legally. I can. It was a monitor laundering front. <laughs> what I can say is about two months before I left that job for another job, they had moved me to sales for some reason, question mark. <laughs> the wildest shit I've ever heard. Which is terrible because I'm terrible at sales. And then fired the only other two employees that were left in the like editorial content creating part of the office. And it was... Uh, buck wild because for like two months before I left that job, I was the head of editorial technically. <laughs> <laughs> and roughly every other day, we would meet up at the Times Square Jekyll and Hyde Club to drink two for one mixed yeah. drinks. No, that's when we started going to the Herald. Oh, then the Herald. Yes, that's right. Oh. Uh, rip the Herald. That's for all of us. Rip first the Herald. Man. The one good thing that came out of that. The one yeah. good thing in midtown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I showed Amanda some emails where it was like all caps and for some reason my CEO turned the font to red to just express how upset she was about <laughs> Yes, that happened. And her husband mm -hmm. would just like say things about how the office should run. Good God. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Brandon and I have talked a lot about our old job that where I met him. Um, so I want to talk about a different job that I had before that. Uh, I used to work at a weather app company. <laughs> It oh. was like a tech startup that it was, was real, real app boom era. Yeah, yeah. It basically like sent you a GIF and like a customized fun forecast, depending on wherever you were in the United States. Just like, and it was all delivered from the perspective of a cat who wore a rain slicker. And uh, I was actually pretty good at it because I just like like to like to write, and it was like content adjacent. And then someone was was promoted, and then she started hiring all of her friends from improv. And then the job became a comedy writing job, which I'm bad at because she wanted to pretend like it was a fucking late night show and not a weather app company. And I was very bad at it because I don't know how to write jokes. And then I got fired I because but okay. uh, did I know like Joe, like, j like j capital, capital J, j, j jokes, jokes. capital J jokes. Like Brandon, believe me, I thought I could do it too, but I did not a fucking UCB person. So I got iced out. They talked about improv all the time. I remember like, wow, maybe we shouldn't like talk about improv. And I got yelled at at least once. And then I got fired because I was not good at it. And now she is on a very popular podcast. <laughs> Whoops. Uh oh. Yeah. Also, I realized that that startup. They were bought by a like high end beverage company in 2018 because they wanted their high end SMS structure that they had put together for sending out the the forecasts. Jesus, wild! It's terrible. What a dystopia we live in. Yeah, Brandon, any other insights? Um, I've been lucky that even in my terrible jobs, because I have a tech background, I somehow weasel my way into like not being part of the generic crowd. You know. Um, boo! So uh, <laughs> fucking boo as your coworker. I know, but I know, I know what you're talking true. about. <laughs> it, it happened. It happened, and it and it was it sucked. Yeah. So I've been lucky, but I've really only had like one bad job in the sense of bad management. All my other jobs have been like either you know boring or not fulfilling. But I worked with a lot of good people, so um, those are all good. Um, actually, sorry, I had two jobs with bad management, but one, I was given a lot of freedom, so I didn't really have to deal with it too much. And that's why Brandon has as many uh, sound plugins as we, he does now. <laughs> no, I did not. This is, no, I did not steal or take anything. 
<laughs> we read it. You wiped Wait. your own hard drive voluntarily after leaving every job. <laughs> I, d- I actually do do that. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do it at <laughs> They wouldn't let me. <laughs> well, I'm going to cut that. <laughs> I'm protecting all of us. No, <laughs> you are. Yeah. Lots of beeps. Lots of beeps, Our, our life's in your hands. And then before that startup, I worked, my first job was in an investment bank. I was an English major and it was like, oh shit, I'm a junior. I guess I have to have a job at some point. And there were no paying internships except at a bank. So I worked in recruiting at a bank and it was extremely strange because I was like a 20 year old English major on the phone with like MBA graduates being like, yes. And how are you qualified to do this finance job? And be like, hey, just as a thought experiment, like, could you just explain what this job is to me as if I knew nothing about finance? And uh, (laughs) that's how I learned about finance and accounting. That's incredible. Yeah, it was incredibly fun. I had a very good boss in HR who is also an aspiring TV writer. And so both of us were like, clearly we shouldn't be here, but we're just going to try to help each other and ended up working there for like three and a half years, uh, working for the head of a department of like several hundred like accounting nerd researchers. And they were all extremely nice. And it was the most formal work environment I could possibly imagine. Like I could imagine myself working at like a five-star hotel or the White House because the expectations for kind of like how you set things up for a meeting and like how to send out emails were like nothing is wrong and you anticipate all people's problems and questions and you know I have to like talk to five different teams to get like a recorded conference line ready for like a meeting good god all the things I hate which is public embarrassment pressure and like fucking up someone else's event so that was my whole my whole deal Seemed like a very healthy environment for you in particular <laughs> yeah no as soon as I left I like cut off my hair and moved to Queens got a bunch of tattoos started dating Eric it was great uh, um, hell yeah but uh, yeah, it it was it was interesting. I feel like I I have the skills to do things a certain way, and now every time I forgive myself for being less than a thousand percent perfect, it's like, haha, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you spend like like seven hours in Boston once as part of that job? Yeah, I had to go to a bunch of um, recruiting events to like represent the the department and like talk to uh, students who wanted to work there. So I I did a lot of like flying to Boston on the 5 a.m. like Delta shuttle um, or Philadelphia or Stanford or, you know, a bunch of different schools. Wow. Companies that have money, <laughs> huh? Only finance. It's only finance. Mm-hmm. What? You mean mm-hmm. multitude? You didn't take the shuttle from <laughs> Long Island to, to, to Greenpoint? I did yesterday buy us a, a TV stand for our studio video monitor instead of the plant stand from my grandma's garage that we have been using. <laughs> so we are we are coming up in the world. Okay. It functions the same Money's way. Money's very let nobody say any different. <laughs> this after party's wild, guys. I'm having a great time. I feel like we're still channeling our characters from Troy uh, the Paper, so everything is chaos. I've also been listening to a podcast that's just like two and a half hours of this like extremely charismatic older millennial just like talking unfiltered, just her, no co-host, about like various trends from the 90s and 2000s. Eric's eyes are so scared right now. Yeah, that's like, like terrifying. It's like my only guilty pleasure. She's very good. Like she can anchor Sorry, it. Sorry, it sounds um, horrible to do. <laughs> No, no. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I would never in a million years do it. But she, she really, she's really carries it out. But she likes to kind of. I feel like I was channeling her kind of persona when I was doing June, and I, I'm grateful for the sort of inspiration. Though Julia and I, or rather, I have the worst kind of accent creep into whatever Julia is doing near me. Um, so I just, <laughs> I did my best here. But you know, it, it happens. We're from literally the same place. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. No, I think I, I tried to go a little bit more millennial harley quinn so like you'll hear me kind of go a little jersey sometimes but amanda you you kept yours pretty strong thank you thank you 
True. Uh, I want to shout out Jonesy Mocktail, who exists in the 20s. And uh, I want to shout out Carlisle Carlisle for giving me the ability to call Brandon's character Pond Scum as if I was Chuck <laughs> Bass. So funny. Ch- I was, that was all my gossip girl Chuck Bass. I was funneling into Carlisle Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and let's visit the uh, the clarification corner real quick. So uh, Aggie received the text to the multi-tool phone, by the way. Eric, yes. you said Aggie at the end of the episode, but it was to multi-tools phone. So don't worry. That... I meant I meant like Aggie the person. Yes. Like, like Amanda's, Amanda, you are getting a text, but I said Aggie. Yeah. No, it is to the multi-tool uh, phone because Tegan is only dating multi-tool. And I gave contradicting answers because one I gave several months ago when we were recording the episode that pizza is like a pit bull mix. And then the after party, which... You know, we recorded just before it came out. I said more of like a wishbony terrier situation. Just picture the cutest mm-hmm. mashup of both. It's it's a real kind of like dense, small to medium dog, cute fur, little pity face. Super cute. Yes. Maybe pizza is now two dogs and you have twice the love. Double slice. Double slice. <laughs> it's cheese and pepperoni. No, it would be pizza and calzone. Those would be my dogs. <laughs> there we go. That's good. Those are very good. Calzone's the pit bull mix. Pizza is the, the terrier mix. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Uh, why would you even say otherwise? That's fucking bananas. <laughs> I was just clarifying. For oh, everyone. good, good, good. Um, someone suggested doing a pin that had sushi, pizza, and tuna on it, and I like <laughs> the idea of like tuna on both sides of the time stream, and then and sushi and pizza on the other side. So, like, maybe we should do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> maybe that sounds great. Hey Zoe. Hey Zoe, Zoe? if you're listening, let's fucking Come on, do draw that. some dogs. And then finally, we have some kind of bigger game and character questions. So Bray in Discord says, how is Danny feeling emotionally after creating a painting of one version of his sister fighting with slash against another version of his same sister? Yeah. Did he text Aggie being like, hey, I saw this version. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that he wouldn't know that the other version is his sister, right? Right, but he's seeing an image of his sister in two different superhero outfits. I feel like I would, I don't have siblings, but I feel like if I had a superpower that allowed me to see the future and see through time via my paintings, I would let her know, hey, I painted a version of you that I know very well, and then a different version of you that I don't know very well. There's a trope of like the Cassandra character not sharing the information that they have. And it infuriates <laughs> Yeah. Because, but I think that with- Welcome the, to the Thunderdome, Julia. <laughs> uh, but I also think that Danny knows that he, whatever he paints, he has no idea what it fucking means. Like this could mean literally anything. And I know that we know it dramatically because it's dramatic, the dramatic irony of it all. But like, I didn't think that Danny would tell Aggie because Danny doesn't trust the things that he paints and also uh, doesn't share his uh, emotions and thoughts with anybody else. So listen, Danny is your character and you can do whatever you want with him. But also in every movie and TV show, I scream at the characters (laughs) communicate because it would solve so many problems. And we are playing into that trope and you're yelling at Danny. Sorry, dog. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I think he was freaking out on the inside. He's like, what does this mean? But like so calm doesn't say anything. If only I could speak to my sister and she could provide some insight into what this could possibly mean. I mean, she I don't think you'd be able to provide some insight. No one no one can provide any insight on this. I don't think anyone would be able to speak with it's like, wow, this is weird. Yeah, but at least we'd know about That's it. That's true. We'd have that information. Andy Noel asks, is Val going to get a pet named after food and are they upset that pizza's now taken? <laughs> no, we already <laughs> talked about this. Val doesn't feel like they are like emotionally in a place where they can care for an animal 24-7 and so they're not going to get an animal. That is why Val 
walks dogs because Val enjoys the company of animals, but does not want to care for one full time. Very smart. And if Val got one, it would probably be named Cannoli. Very cute. Mm -hmm. Andy also wants to know what is on Hitomi and Val's new place wish list? Also something I want to know. I think as a fellow tall lady, uh, a bathtub tall enough for those bones is what I would say. Correct. <laughs> also, this is kind of a who can say because we do get into it in the next episode. That's true. That's right, we do. <laughs> but if Hitomi has bird bones, does Hitomi just float? Yes. Yes. Yeah, but but either you can float laying out, or you can float all scrunched up. <laughs> Much less fun to you float. You want to float up. all stretched out, not scrunched. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, big bathtub, claw-footed tub is number one on the list. Listen, as a person who takes a bath every morning and not a shower, you take a bath every necessity. morning. Really? I take a bath every Julia morning. Julia James, what are you talking about? What is your hair washing routine? Every like three to four days is when I wash my sure. hair and I will do a shower the night okay. before. But every morning, hair goes tied up. Take a bath. Incredible. Fascinating. I love wow. it. Wow. Power move. June would approve. You know what? It's an energy thing for me. Like I wake up and like the last thing I want to do is like put myself in water that will slowly get warmer as I take a shower because our our plumbing is weird. But if I fill a bathtub and like ease myself into the morning, it's easier for me to like have energy. That makes sense. Love that. Sure. Bray says, how public are Multitool and Tegan about their relationship? It seems oddly uh, sparkles, suspicious eyes sparkles, that Gutenberg would target Tegan unless he knew that they meant something to Multitool. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Shall, shall, we, uh, shall we have that uh, spoily corner aperitif? Yeah, that, that's, that's a free spoily corner. I would say enough, un, like... Y'all aren't secret about it. No, I think they've that... been like they've been like spotted on you know LTC memes Instagram like getting ice cream. <laughs> yeah, because that was like the eating. That was why the eating like problem. boba through a straw. Yeah, the boba through the straw. They had to go out and get boba. Do you think there's ice cream flavors based on our superhero characters? Like, was multi tool eating multi tool flavor? I would say that there would be if we hadn't had our first like big boss that we had to fight the the, the Maz. Ma yeah, from that's a great point. maybe there's taffy blend if she liked us then maybe there's probably like a fudge blend from what thornhill is now there definitely is 100 percent. yeah <laughs> and these are two questions that i think get at the same thing for all of us which was uh very fortuitous so john uh jibt said on insta you use a lot of different game mechanics to join the party how do you make it balanced slash does that like matter to you for eric and then moss said how do you treat limited items and spells like luck rolls i always hoard them because i'm worried i'll need more later so in terms of like kind of balance like using what's in front of you i'm just curious if anybody has thoughts on that i like to burn my stuff because um brandon use a fifth level spell slot for a joke Google. <laughs> yep. But I, I have the same instinct to like hoard stuff because I um need, might need it later. But so I've I've learned to just like actively go against that instinct and just burn stuff when I when I get it. As we say on spirits, use the good olive oil now. Just use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not particularly precious about Val's rages because I feel like when Val needs them is when Val needs them. Yeah. And also I have like five at this point, I think, or something like that. Four or five. So I'm I'm good. Yeah. Rages rage I mean, listen. The stuff in Dungeons and Dragons is already not necessarily balanced in so many ways. So like, you know, it doesn't really matter in that way. But to talk I'll I have a whole thing about balancing. So what do you think about your luck points and stuff? 
Well, one of the reasons I was drawn to monks is that I, I love the idea of using key points as I need them. And it's something that does reset. So I think spell slots are, I don't know, they feel too high stakes for me. But because key points are the same as your level, it's like, okay, I have nine shots. I can do some of them as a joke. Or I can do some of them in a way that I'm like, you know, think it might not work and it might. So just that kind of like uh, economy of being able to choose kind of when I have extra juice and when I don't, I really enjoyed. And it's the same reason I chose the luck points um, as a feat. During the... Um, uh, time loop arc. I was extremely mad that I used the luck point on something that looking back was kind of inconsequential because um, I sure could have used it during those uh, sands of time, huh? But um, <laughs> but I, I was out. Uh, but no, I, I as a person know I'm also a hoarder, so I try um, of, of nice things then I'm never using them. So I try to, you know, use it when it feels right. Yeah. Um, and I think that you should. You should. The players should be able to play with Reckless Abandon because remember, we're making a media property here. So like feeling not feeling like you need to uh, conserve yourself like you're playing Dark Souls or you're playing a video game is very, very important. Oh, yeah. Like those first few days of Stardew Valley. It's like, don't break a rock if you don't have to, man, because you're not going to have enough energy to water your turnips. And if you don't do that, you're never going to get ahead of the, the cycle. That's exactly it's what true. I was saying. So just like that. Um, in terms of homebrewing stuff. Uh, I have two things that I keep in my head at all times. One is I want to tell a good story, and two, I'm a fan of the players. So I'm probably not going to drop, like, a Tarasque or, like, a giant dragon in our campaign because, like, that's just not interesting. It's not going to be fun. So when I'm homebrewing stuff, it's more like how does this form follow function and are the players and the audience going to understand what I'm trying to do both narratively and mechanically? So that's why I would rather do that. For example, let's talk about the, sea the, seas, of the seas of Time. The narrative thing I wanted to do there was I don't want to kill you because that doesn't really make much sense. The time shark is a defender. Time shark! Like a, oh, time, oh shark! No. time shark! The time shark followed you to Seattle? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was quite a crash. Time great. shark! Time shark is the defender of the time deep. Um, I, I think that narratively that made sense to me because there was like a monster defender in time in the seas of time um but the thing that about like the splashing of the water on the characters that wasn't damage that was to mess with you and to make you do narrative work but also i was underplaying that because it's like oh then you get splashed by water no problem it's not a big deal <laughs> so like that was going to be more interesting and i wanted to surprise you and trying to make you all have fun here i very rarely want to just like fuck you up and try to kill you uh, because like listen as a dm you can just kill people man you can just say oh i crit 62 damage you're done it's not fun as a dm and it's not fun as a showrunner or someone doing a fiction podcast to just kill someone so like honestly i don't want to say that i'm pull pulling back or that i'm pulling punches but like i'm doing the thing that makes everyone have fun and have a good story whether you're talking about the players or the audience I love that you say rarely because the, the small instances in which you do want to kill them is when I'm pissing you off. <laughs> Brandon, that, no, no, I want to say you get yourself into bad situations <laughs> and they have consequences. Every time, I promise, I promise you, I can justify every single time <laughs> that you that you have done something that has fucked you, <laughs> and the dice have also done something that have fucked you. It is a combination of me and chance. Mm -hmm. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, but going back to that, Eric, I that reminds me of some advice that I got very early on in terms of writing, where it's like, especially if you're writing something like horror, for instance, yeah. 
the worst thing that you can do to a character is not killing them 99% of the time. Yeah. You know, there are things that you can do that raise the stakes that are more interesting than life and death. Death the easy way out. <laughs> sure. Brandon, if I if your character was pissing me off, Milo would be dead. Milo wouldn't be walking around with minus, with 75% hit points. Milo wouldn't have had a panther running around the city that he gets asked about all of the time. I know. I've read your fanfic where Milo is dead. <laughs> 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 yeah, Milo just becomes the Grim Reaper, and there's another there's another powered person just in there. I I would be pretty amazed if I died and met Milo. <laughs> I, I think no matter what the circumstances, all things considered, that would be pretty shocking and and kind of fun. Yeah. And our final question: Speaking of the time waters from Claraline on Insta, how would you implement the waters of time changing traits for home games? <laughs> also, is it a good idea to try? Mm. Do it. Do it. You could do it. Remember, that was like episode 30-something. So we had a lot of time with these characters and then going from there. So, like, uh, make sure that, you like, there is something to change. Like, there's an, you've spent enough time with the characters that it would be fun enough to change. Also, like, make sure that there's a way to avoid it and make sure that it's as loose as possible. Remember, I didn't say to Amanda, change your class. I said, there is a major thing different about your character. What is it? And make sure to take the time working with both the DM and the character together to make that change and to make it something that's like an opportunity to do something interesting and different. Um, also, figure out a way to put like you have to justify going to a time place. Like I didn't just be like, hey, you pull a card and actually it's the time card and you're a goblin now. Like you can't do that. <laughs> make sure it's justified both in world and in action and make sure that your players uh, would actually find that uh, fulfilling. And now, finally, we arrive. We circle the drain of the spoily corner. All right. This one comes from a different Eric via email. Will Todd, June, and Rose, and maybe Tegan make their own truth-finding team? And then he said, if this goes in spoily corner, I'll take it as a yes. Listen, uh, other Eric, whatever you need to happen in your head happens. But other than that, who can say? Who can say? I'm into it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think as part of my background, I said that Rose used to work for like TMZ or something like that. So Rose would be into that. Uh, several, several people also said, will we get more Average Bear episodes? Who can say? Who can say? Well, none of us work there anymore. So we have to <laughs> It'll be called something else. It will be, we'll make a, a our own company called Above Average Koala or something. Above Average Kodiak. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Brandon, you're going to have to play a different character because Todd has no skills. So I don't know how Todd would get there. <laughs> Because it's Todd, he'll get there. <laughs> All right, Todd just gets there. Todd we'll just make shows a new up. pact with something. I was else. thinking that what I really wanted to do was like Brandon, you lose all of your powers <laughs> as soon as you got laid off. I wish that I'd remember to do that. Andy Noel said, "How is Aggie slash multi tool slash preserver gonna live with Tegan and hide her face? Who can say? Who can say? Who can say? Who can say? Showering with a mask on. <laughs> Claraline is the hockey guy the night of mirrors, and when will we find out? Who can say?" Oh, Fritz. Oh, Fritz. God, I want to say. I want to know. I want to know the mystery. Yeah, I desperately want to know what's up with the Night of Mirrors. And question surgeon Michelle Spurgeon. What would happen if Dr. Maramaro stepped down politically? And would Gutenberg be satisfied? Who can say? Who can say? Who can say? Yeah. Well, now you got to figure out who this John Press guy is. That's that's going to be. 
I, even I, notorious person who doesn't see twists coming in Scooby Doo, can see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's this guy running this VC? I don't know who he is. You have two now. You have two problems. Well, guys, not only are we in this in this lifeboat in the content oceans together, uh, we've also made our way through a one shot. We've made our way through an after party, uh, and and we voyage forth into even more content mining for all of you out there to enjoy yes new arc in one week from now let's go oh no my toe it dipped in the water what happens next you don't have glasses anymore brandon's a goblin now we decided (laughs) it was just a toe it was a little thing (laughs) well we'll see you next week with a brand spanking new arc we hope you enjoy it Uh, until then see you later bye bye guys it's goblin goblin brandon with no glasses he has contacts in May your rolls trend ever upward.